Hey, hey, Podnot team. Welcome to the Mini PC Show, episode 103, Big Talk, Little Machines. Um, uh, do not forget this show is brought to you by our by our by our pay by our Patreon. So I want to thank you to uh, William Gale uh, for all your support here throughout the years. Uh, do not forget if you want to support this show directly and have completely ad-free versions of this show, go to Patreon.com/slash The Mini PC The Mini PC Show. Ooh, my goodness! Uh, and talking about ad-free, how's everything going, Rich? Uh, everything is really good. I mean, it's 2020. It's our my first mini pc show because you did one last week and i I wish i could have joined you you did a really good job and and i say that not to take down on the quality of the show because you did a great job all by yourself thank you thank you i was kind of shocked i went 45 plus minutes uh because i figured it was just going to be year in review aka complaining about the complaints boosting the things that i think are great and then predictions without sounding dumb i think we're approaching a lull but i don't know I, I don't know. Uh, well, CES is actually going on right now, right? Uh, is there any interesting stuff from CES? Because I really haven't seen it. I haven't been tracking it closely either. Yeah, it, it's all crap like toilet paper bots. Um, a lot of the companies <laughs> figured out that it is a perfect way to just pay your way to the front, and it's advertisement. Uh, what you now see at CES is almost never what's going to be just you know actually sold. It used to be this is what you could see you know can see might see in the next coming year now it's became uh this is what you will never see being sold in anywhere but it's great pub you know but it's like hip and it's cool and let's take a look at it kind of thing uh, i'll tell you what it, talking about like ces type stuff the thing that nearly makes me throw up when i see it is smart refrigerators where there's a you know video screen on the refrigerator because all i picture is in a year or so it's got the blue screen of death or or something on it and that you have this three thousand dollar plus device that should only be about seven hundred dollars and if you really want to crap on it double stick tape a tablet on it and then when the tablet goes bad you throw it away and double stick tape another tablet on it well, they did show off a stupid uh, microwave oven where instead of being able to see the food inside, it was a Android screen, uh, w- which I think is equally as stupid as a fridge. And I agree. But this is why I also almost don't like the idea of big screens in cars. It's cheaper, more economical. You'll get more robust interface uh, and you'll get like true Android if you just literally Velcro a tablet to your dashboard. <laughs> Okay, a friend of mine had the most expensive Audi R8, was it 2018? The 2018 model. So the V10 Plus, and you know what didn't work on it? Was the, you know, it's a total screen. So the nav and the Bluetooth kept not working, and he kept bringing it back to the dealer, and the dealer ended up buying it back under the Lemon Law. Wow. Well, you know, that's kind of so, like why back in the day I didn't like the idea of buying a combo tv vcr or a combo dvd vcr player because if one breaks then it all goes to hell well all right so here's here's the problem with let's see you have component devices and i guess composite where it's all in one so if i have something that only does one thing like a knife that's supposed to cut and be sharp it's just got to do that good. But if this is also like a fire starter at a radio, they might cheap out on the metal on the blade so they can do other things along with it. If you have individual devices that only do one thing, 
they've got to be the best at what they do. And, and that's the problem when you get a refrigerator with a screen on it. Right. Well, do you, since, since my last show is basically full of a uh, year in review type of thing and pre, um, pre, um, Addictions. Did you want to do any of that? Yeah, sure. Can I talk personal year in review? Is that okay? Well, yeah, that's what to me it is. It's like your personal view on all things mini computer related in the previous year. Okay, so I'll start off where I was wrong because I figure what the heck, let's be honest about it. I predicted, I guess this time last year, that there will be no release from Raspberry Pi. And they, I was totally jacked by MickMake. MickMake on, uh, what? April Fool's Day posted a video about a, a Raspberry Pi release, a Raspberry Pi 4 release. But uh, he, he had me going on that for a while. So I was wrong about the Raspberry Pi 4 release. So let me start out with my Raspberry Pi 4B prediction for this year. I predict, one, they will fix the USB-C charging issue that they have. So... It'll have a slight bump in speed. We actually saw boxes last year that had 6 gigs of RAM marked on them. Like you could put a check mark on it, right, Tor? So yeah. I'm assuming they're probably going to have a 6 and maybe an 8 gig version. Uh, I would assume they would go 248 and not do a 6, but you know it was on the box. I'm going to guess that they will have 4 USB 3 ports and two full-size HDMI stacked on top of each other. They're, or, I mean, they could find a space to do it side-by-side, side too, but I, I think they're going to have two full-size HDMI ports. That This micro-HDMI is, is just something that's going to disappear. And that's my Raspberry Pi 4 prediction. So, um, I, you know, personally, I, it, I'll, I'll go with the fails first. I've been very diligent about backing up uh, operating systems, backing up configurations on my router, backing up things like that. Uh, I still have more to go, so there's still things that I haven't shut down, backed up, in whatever. So my home assistant, one of my home assistants was one of those, and when it died, you know, there were finally too many holes in the SD card. Uh, I didn't have a backup for it, and they discontinued the OS, so I don't need to have a virgin OS for it which is okay because I was moving towards the new home assistant, but there were some things I was doing uh, 433 megahertz control of light. So um, it's not Wi-Fi, it's a wireless remote. So I'm getting another device and reprogramming it. I, I guess I got my feet wet with Tasmodo type devices. So I have a couple of power strips uh, that... I couldn't flash over the air. I had to hardwire into them to flash them. But now, um, in the server world, we, typical server administrators, don't have a physical connection to the actual device. So we can't click power on the device as a server admin. In fact, I'm not even in the same building as where the servers are. In fact, I'm not even allowed in the server room, period. But um, what we do is there's ILO or iDRAC, and basically it's uh, a management console that allows you to, you could do like, a, a, through software, you could go into this console, which is usually served off a web server, and you could do like a reset, a power on, off, recycle, a couple of different things, as though you're physically touching a power button on a machine. 
So by having a power strip that my Pi devices are plugged into that has Tasmodo flashed onto it, I can go into that device and I can on and off things without physically walking into my office in my, um, it used to be, what did I call it? it data center at a drawer, my DCAT. Um, I don't have to go there. So in the middle of the night when I wake up and my Plex server stopped for some reason and I can't SSH into it, I can go to my home assistant and click a button and power cycle it remotely, which is kind of cool. The The other win that I've done, uh, which I haven't realized how convenient it would be, is um, the Tasmodo garage door interface. So I also have a read sensor from an alarm system switch, magnetic uh, alarm sensor switch. So I know the state of the door, whether it's open or closed. Really, it's I have the state of it's open or not open, which could be stuck somewhere between being open and closed. And I can also see from my security cameras whether it's open and closed. And I also recently put a WISE camera in the garage. So that's cool because now I can see inside the garage if there's a car in there. Like, hey, my wife's home. She's not home. So I can ask her to do something when I'm not there because I know she's home. That kind of thing. Um, so the Tasmodo for the garage is cool because like, if somebody meets you at your house and you drive off and you're not in your car and you got to close the garage door, I can just VPN into my home network, push a button, and boom, my garage door opens or closes, which is super convenient. So... I think the big wins this year is Tasmodo for me. Um, the Pi 4 is a big deal. I, I've got two of them so far. I'm still doing different things with them. Uh, last year, I, I think the big winner was like the RK33. Wait, is it 3399? Okay. Yep. Um, the, the Odroid N2, I've got a lot of love for, and, and I still haven't played a whole lot with it and uh pine well actually you know we're we're is it a 2019 thing with all the pine release because a lot of the announcements happened last year but a lot of the stuff is coming this year i guess and let's let's dovetail into a pine story how about that all right well i'll say really quick i don't think i did say uh too many predictions about this coming year but the one prediction i have is the raspberry pi foundation is going to do nothing they're just going to try to keep maximizing profit and do as little to the hardware as possible, which I, I think it's unfortunate. But I don't, I don't think they're going to literally do anything this year except pump the press cycle, and that's about it. Um, the Pine stuff is like momentum. Their momentum year was 2019. Now, hopefully, 2020 is the year of delivery is the way that I put it. Um, today, on January uh, 15th, 2020, they started to officially ship the Pine phone out to all the people, the non-developer edition, the, uh, I believe it's the Brave edition is what they said on the website. Um, the Pine Watch, uh, there's uh, one guy already in the uh, Mattermost server who has the Pine Watch developer edition who's playing with that. Um, the Pine Tab is supposedly going to be out, I believe they said March, if not, if I'm not mistaken. But I literally got the Pine Book Pro delivered yesterday in the mail. Um, I just got to say, initial impressions are fantastic build quality. Literally feels like a four to six hundred dollar laptop build quality with the metal uh, casing. I will say the uh, out the uh, lid case, it's kind of a fingerprint magnet. It's like the worst thing I can say about it. Um, 
but you know, no flex, no bend in it whatsoever. Built like a built like a rock. Boot time is literally like three to four seconds to uh, log in screen, um, and everything just runs so far really really smooth on it. Um, I also got the NVMe expansion upgrade, but I don't have an NVMe drive quite yet, so I haven't taken it apart to put that on. So uh, now that's magnesium, right? Uh, yeah, aluminum magnesium, I believe. So there's no touchscreen, correct? Right. No touchscreen whatsoever. And my other favorite thing in the world is backlit keyboard. Is there a backlit keyboard? No backlit keyboard. Uh, no backlit keyboard option. I so wanted that to have a backlit keyboard. I, I would totally be in love with it. Well, I'll say the trackpad is eons better than the previous Pinebook trackpad. The keyboard, I'm not going to say it's Lenovo-like because let's not kid ourselves. Lenovo makes exquisite keyboards on devices. This is definitely better than the last one keyboard. Very usable. I remember on the last Pine book, if you typed too fast, you know, stuff didn't sometimes come across right in the OS, like the keyboard buffer wasn't completely right. This one, I type as fast as I want to type and everything come, come, comes across just fine. Um, it's a 14-inch model, so it's slightly bigger than uh, some laptops, but the keyboard to me is absolutely perfect size. Uh, screen is very good screen controls. The baked-in operating system they call Sesame version of Debian. Uh, where all of the function keys seem to work, except for there was one I think that didn't work completely correctly, but the brightness works great. I turned the brightness down to like 10 to 15%, and it told me I had 10 plus hours of battery life. So I was impressed by that. Try yeah. to think. Oh, I didn't test the speakers at all. I will say this there's no way the speakers are as bad as the first one. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was pretty bad. I. And I, I totally applaud Pine for what they're doing. I, I just think. It's pretty amazing. I'm at first I wasn't excited about the whole new product re line release, uh, but I'm I'm definitely thinking about a watch, a phone, and a tablet. I, I'm really thinking those are something I want to check out. Well, the watch, phone, tablet combination costs less than most phones in most stores you go by. It, and now that I'm ready to jump ship, I, I've got the Note Eight, and it's still going fine. Uh, but. I'm swearing I'm not buying another $1,000 plus phone. That's not happening. Right. Well, I'll say this. You won't have to is the logic. The, it, 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 it does appear like the premier flagship phone is going to become a niche device for elitists to buy and show off. We are a lot of the efforts going to be in the mid-range phone. Uh, Samsung released papers uh, like two weeks ago showing that all of their profits, like literally 70% of their profits came from their mid-range devices. They clearly outsold all other devices that they had. See, I, I have a very special handicap, and it's my fingers are precisely the right shape not to hit the character I'm going for, so I need a stylus. But at, at this point, it's not worth $1,000 for me to have a stupid pokey pen. Uh, I'll... I'll get a case and loop a stylus through it, you know, some 20 cent stylus from somewhere so I can use my damn phone. Right. And just a real quick last second thing on the Pinebook Pro kind of thing. Um, thank you again, Captain Zero. You're the man. Um, this has micro SD slot on it, headphone jack, one USB 2.0 A port, the full size port, one USB 3.0 A port, the big port, a power dedicated barrel jack port, and then USB C. I can recharge this and power this via USB-C. So basically, I don't need a power jack anymore, I think. Oh, I can... very cool. Yeah, that to me is a huge plus. Um, and that, I will That's say... a big win. Oh, yeah. 
it makes it so you don't have to carry around, you know, 18 different plugs. Yeah, because um let's see, my my newer newer new-ish Chromebook is USB-C. Uh the new Macs are USB-C. I I just love that that we have a device or a charger that's pretty much going to charge everything we own. Yeah, and they mentioned in the original posting about if like a dead pixel is going to ruin your day and make you send it back, don't even bother buying it. Um, I'll say this, the screen resolution is much higher than I thought it was going to be. You know what I mean? AKA the fonts are smaller than I thought they were going to be out of the box. Um, I don't notice a single dead pixel. I'm blind. Okay. So there could be dead pixels. I'm going to, I'm going to literally turn, make the screen completely white and ask my kids, do you see any dead pixels? Um, but I don't see any whatsoever is what I'll say. Oh, very cool. I I mean, that, and you know what? Good for them for coming out with that. Instead of saying, no, no, we're the best in the world, we're the best in the world, and then having people ticked off. Uh, good for them, because I, I'm not sure what their model is. I don't think they're making killer profit on any of, the, any of these items. They just can't be. And if they're going to, I think that was their way of stemming off returns, you know, RMAs and stuff like that. Because it, if you're not turning a whole lot of profit on a product and now you've got to deal with returns, that, that's got to really tank you. Yeah, I'll say the only way they're making a profit is literally if they're stealing the hardware somehow. Because <laughs> it's so, it, is so af- it is so affordable. I don't want to use the word cheap because that makes it sound like it isn't worth it. The hardware is so affordable and the phone hardware is so affordable and the tablet hardware is so affordable and the watch hardware is so affordable and their mini cam is all for everything they're doing. is really affordable. Oh, I forgot about the camera. Oh, dude. All right. So I'm not a big tablet fan, but I would definitely be interested in getting a camera phone and a watch. Right. But I'll say this first off. You have a wise cam. So after the last huge data breach with wise, you're not like concerned. Uh, it's in my garage, you know. It isn't uh, it's, what it's pointing at. That's not what was breached. Well, all right. I've read what they said about the breach, and pretty much it, it was no big deal. IP addresses and credentials. Uh, I, from what I understand, they did not get the credentials. I Somebody was a little overzealous in reporting nope. on that. They got hashes of the credentials. So they said okay, they hashes. didn't get the credentials, which means it's oh, just right. a matter of time if they really want the credentials. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that, that's the kind of thing. There's a, when you have affordable IP cameras, there's sometimes a reason why they're affordable because, you know, they're chintz in someplace else. So, Ari, uh, I mean, we, let's, let's talk about the Wise camera a little bit. The, for the most part, I like it. For the additional features, I'm not that big of a fan because it's supposed to do person detection and motion detection. And as the lighting changes, as the sun moves and clouds move, and this is in my garage that doesn't have a whole lot of window light coming in, I get alerts a lot. And I've tuned it down. So it, it seems it's not 100% on the person detection. It might not even be 50% on the person detection. So at this rate, the notifications on the WISE camera aren't that reasonable to me. And I'm ready to just do um, put the local firmware on it where it's RTSP only. And it just works as, you know, a dumb camera on my network. Well, without saying dumb um there are software you can have running on a computer 
looking at the dumb camera that will be much more intelligent and dare I say yep. much more customizable. But then you come mm-hmm. with the price of another box to administrate, another box to manage, another box to upgrade. And then you have to worry about two things possibly failing and then, you know, bringing the other one back up uh, versus just having one unit fail. So I'm not going to say it's an easy decision to do that. I'll just say, you know, if you really desire functionality, then I'll, then you don't have a choice, except, of course, to spend more money. Okay, so Chatter on the Wire is saying wise nicknames, user emails, profile photos, Wi-Fi router names, limited number of Alexa integration tokens, and other information. Yeah, and I I was like, what the heck? Why do I have to log into this again? And I I was surprised. Uh, John Hollinger has a couple of these, and so we were talking about it. And that's when I found out about the breach. Yeah, I mean... They did, I'll say, a good job of keeping it out of the major news cycles by immediately coming out and admitting some stuff. I will say what they said and versus what other security people said were different. I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong because I never saw a follow up on either one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's all right. So I, I talked about the Tasmoto garage door controller and, you know, I had to solder some stuff and whatever and roll my own. And, and that's all cool because the thing doesn't phone home. It, it's not standard. Nobody's going to write a hack for my garage door. And plus, my garage door doesn't talk off my network. So I, I feel very safe about that. The, there's other products out there, almost the same price and very nicely done that you can buy and just wire into your garage door. It, but then again, you're you're going through the same like wise cam problem is that now somebody commercially is producing this, which is really nice and convenient. But because it's commercially out there, somebody could figure a hack for it. Yeah, there's a bonus there. there there's a plus to just not being the low hanging fruit. Um, but yeah, everything comes at the price. And I will say since the last episode where we had together, which I did have a quote unquote catastrophic failure here on a mini computer as well. You lost own cloud, right? Uh, my next cloud instance went up, and after Sorry, and, and, and after you know as much sleuthiness work as I could do, it literally seems like my uh, micro SD card just decided to stop working. And I will say it is a SanDisk micro SD card, uh, thirty-two gig SD card, which I will say I've had remarkably low amount of failure rates as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I still consider the uh, SanDisk Ultra to be among the better SD cards. I'm sure if you get the uh, uh, gold version of them, they're going to be better and the such. But I ran every kind of diagnostic and test and recovery thing I could against this thing, and I could get nothing back. And I did not pull the card out beforehand and make an image of it. So does that mean I was completely lost, Rich? Well, no. No. And why was that? Well, because you can just reload uh, the next cloud on that. A little bit better than that, because I did not just load the normal NextCloud instance, because I did not oh. just load DietPy and NextCloud. I instead loaded the Own Your Bits version of NextCloud. It, it also came with the NCP, which I believe is the NextCloud administration panel. And through that panel, I was able to say, back up the entire configuration all the users, all the settings, all the paths, everything. And then I copied that to my external hard drive connected to the next cloud. Oh, very cool. So all I had to do was get a new SD card, download a, you know, reflash the SD card, 
go through the initiation of the process, which is just setting the default password, going into the admin panel, connecting the USB drive, and then just saying restore, wait like five minutes and everything just came back perfectly working. Everybody who was connected just automatically reconnected. All my uh, clients automatically just reconnected as well. So it, it did take like three days because I really did want to find out what was going on with the SD card first and see if I could could get it back. So I literally had re so I, I literally had tools run against the card for more than I think it was thirty six hours straight. So even if you don't image the card, this is like a um a, a, a testimonial to people. If you're running DiPi, drop to a command line and you can literally do a DiPi dash backup. And it will give you a backup configuration of your operating system. Uh, if you're running Own Your Bits Next Cloud, go to the admin panel and just uh, type in the search backup, and it will allow you to backup all the configuration for everything. Um, so you don't have to have a complete SD card image in 2020. It's sure it's good to have, but you can also use the baked in tools and get a pretty good result, I'll say. So one question for you. Do you turn swap off on all of your mini PC devices? Um, I turn swap off on everything I own. I find in 2020, it's completely useless and pointless unless you plan on suspending or hibernating. And which in a mini PC instance, you're not going to be doing. I don't do it on my laptops. I don't do it on my desktops either. Uh, my boot times are so quick. I just turn them off. Yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised you uh, lost an SD card. I've never lost an SD card in my phone, but I have lost them in, you know, mini PCs. Yeah, I will say in 20 plus years, I've lost one hard drive. I do run SpinWrite every, now about every two years on every hard drive I own, I run SpinWrite because you're supposed to, to use it before issues happen. Uh, and SD cards, I mean, I've had own cloud instances running for three years straight with no downtime. I've had um, own, um, o, like, o like droids running for two plus years connected to my TV, never turned off. Um, I have, you know, atomic pies running. I have all these things running. And this is literally the first true failure I've had with an SD card. I have had issues where SD cards like flaked out on me and I just had to repartition them and, you know, put the OSs back on it. But this is the first one where it literally is a catastrophic failure. Hmm. So what I'll so, say is um, when it comes to predictions, Rich, is there anything else you can see like on the fringe or on the cusp or literally that can like change the technology by the end of 2020? Okay. Um, I, I think there's going to be more ARM in the data center. There's um, hopefully there'll, there'll be a some sort of test release by beta release or public release of ESXi for ARM because now we've got a four gig Raspberry Pi and it could actually do something. Um, I've got no no insider information on that whatsoever, which I'm kind of bummed about. Um, so I, I think we're going to be seeing, and even on CNX, we see more devices like rack mount devices with larger core counts. So I, I think there's going to be more ARM in the data center, more rack mount ARM devices with higher core counts. And uh, I, I think, I, you know, what would it take for ARM to take over for Intel is the question. Well, I mean, quite literally, it's one of those things, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? You know what I mean? For the chicken to be successful. Um, you're going to need 
everybody to have all available frameworks and compilers to be honed for maximum efficiency on ARM. Because if you're going to use an ARM processor, you need that better than 100% justification for it. Like you literally are using a substantial amount of less power or a substantial amount of less heat, or your code just runs much more snappy and, and efficient. Um, I think we're going to need huge buy-in from huge hardware manufacturers, especially people like HP. We're going to need them to literally pack servers with them. And we're going to need, I, dare to, I hate to say it like this, Rich. We're going to need to see less mini computers sold where you can actually see the board, if you know what I mean. We need mini computers that are not sold as mini computers, but are sold as dedicated appliances or dedicated uh, mini computers um, instead of here's a development board or here's your own board where you can do your own custom solution. We need more consumer-friendly mini-computers. Well, okay. So now let, let me go a little historical on you. So we've had other architectures. So like the 68000 architecture, we've had um, the cell architecture, we've had... What, what are the IBMs? Uh, I know, I know we have... Um, MIPS processor. Uh, I know Debian. If you want to know about all the different architectures, just go to the Debian website and look at all the all of the ones that they support. I want to say last count, like sixty different architectures, which I didn't even know sixty architectures existed. Okay, so there there's a, a stink load of I I don't know if I would include Intel in the top five architectures out there, and I'm talking about theoretical. Uh, like how they do things, uh, um, like in the assembly and microcode level. Uh, I think of Intel as like the Chevy 350 of the computing world, that there's a crazy amount of them out there. There's a crazy number of things you can do with it uh, because it's out there and it's cheap and everybody's using it. The, the only... in what, what is the current Apple uh, CPU? Or Apple computer, well, no laptop ratio say, out there. Let's say it depends because on their iPads and stuff, they're using ARM processors, their own custom designed ARM processors. And on their uh, um, Mac Pros and stuff, they're using Intel based processors. Okay, but they're also including an ARM processor in with their newer laptop and desktops. Yes. Yeah, and it, it's, I believe... it's almost like a co processor, I'd say. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how they're doing it, but I believe that their plan is to move everything over to ARM. Oh yeah, well, and Power it's going to be PC their own. Was the one I was thinking of, and it's going to be their own custom-designed ARM processor too. Because, 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 without sounding dumb, if I'm designing a car for me to be the racer in it, it has the most potential to be highly optimized, perfectly fit for me. If I'm developing an operating system and I have enough money in the bank to design my own processor, there's no reason why it shouldn't use less power, have lower clock speeds than everything else, but yet be much faster to the end result in the um, experience. All right. So where can I find a website that'll show me the number of or the percentage of computers out there that are Intel based or versus Max, Max I, versus everything else? No, you're never going to find that information. Your best chance of it 
first, because it, it all depends on how you define computer. If you just are saying how many things are sold, okay, retail market, ARM destroys, nothing else comes close because you have all of the dedicated uh, smaller things running ARM processors. If you're talking about how many things are active on the internet, Wikipedia, I think, is the best place to see, uh, like, a, uh, um, they, they keep all their stats. Um, so does archive.org, where ARM has picked up a lot of uh, numbers, thank, well, because mobile computing and people going to those websites. I do think uh, connecting to those main websites, ARM computers took over sometime last year in number of connections to these services, which is why now whenever you hear web development, it is literally mobile first is the uh, mm -hmm. uh, plan to do it. Okay, so Wikipedia, the the synopsis from the Google search is Microsoft Windows is generally above 70% in most markets and 77% globally. Apple's Mac OS is around 13%, Chrome OS 6 in the US, and Linux around 2%. So that's pretty interesting because I thought uh, Apple, you know, Mac OS, let me just say it that way. So I'm talking desktops and laptops. I never thought they were as high as 13%. Although... Everywhere I go, which is a false statistic, I see everybody with an Apple laptop, a MacBook something. Uh, but then again, that's just where I am and I travel, and I am not representative of the norm. Gotcha. Well, I'm surprised they didn't mention any mobile numbers in there, no iPhone or Android numbers. I'm scrolling through this. Well, and I'll say my real predictions are for the end of 2020, is we're plateauing in, as far as features and stuff are concerned. And it's only because desktops and laptops are becoming so unbelievably overpowered for what people need. Um, many computers, to me, are on the cusp of becoming too powerful for their normal task-driven base, where we're, 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 we're literally going to need them to then evolve into being mini desktop computers. And I don't think we're going to have that by the end of 2020. I think we might be able to starting to approach that, but I don't know if it's going to take literally physical multiprocessor because then we're going to have to worry about multiprocessor like coding, you know, making sure applications can do that. Or are we literally just going to need the ever tightening, more efficient processors? And we're going to have to wait for that to happen. So, one of the things, uh, one stat I ran across in the last two days was, um, I think, I don't know if it was laptops or desktops or the combination thereof, increased in sales, whereas yep. they've been on the decline. Yeah, for the, the first time since 2014, they, they, mm -hmm. they actually saw an increase in desktop and laptop sales, and they attributed all to the deadening of Windows 7. Oh, wow. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Um, the, the thing that I'm kind of surprised at is I, we, like, I know, I know I can relate this better in jobs numbers. So in, there has to be a certain amount of jobs created each month because of population growth, new people entering the job market after high school or college. So there's a certain increase that has to happen all the time. And I would think that as population increases, we would have a similar increase in laptop and desktop sales. But it doesn't seem to be following that. 
Well, and without saying dumb, because even three to four years ago, laptops and desktops were overpowered for the most use cases. We've been able to keep them around for a couple of years. I mean, sure, we always knew that person back in the day. You had that e-machine with that sticker on it, and it was like a six-year-old computer. But we knew they were suffering with that six-year-old computer, where today you could literally have a five- to six-year-old computer. And for the most part, all you people do is just go to Facebook, go to YouTube, and do basic browsing, and it just seems to work fine. Um, because of that, I think it's one of the biggest things that hurt the computing industry was just the fact that technology and uh, demand did not increase enough on the um, um, experience side to demand that I go get a brand new computer. Okay, so I'm going to relate a couple of things. One, I, I know I've said this a number of times, I'm still using where I'm on right now my 2012 MacBook Pro with 16 gigs of RAM. The, the two hardships I have with it is it has a 256 gig SSD, which is horrific, uh, but I do plan on nuking and paving and cleaning out all the cobwebs. The other problem I have with it is the battery's good for about two hours. So this is basically a desktop machine, which is okay because I use my Chromebook for everything else. The only thing I do on my MacBook Pro is edit videos. That's it. Right. And I'm kind of the same way as what I'll say. I have dedicated hardware where I know I'm not going to be doing internet browsing on it. I'm just going to do my encoding and transcoding of stuff on it. Uh, and then when I have my lounging type devices, I, I just use different hardware. Um, and as long as I don't get in an accident and get rear-ended and have my Pinebook Pro destroyed like the last one, I firmly believe at the performance I've seen in the last, you know, 24 hours of this device, I don't see a reason why this cannot be like a full-time on-the-road like computing device for two to three years minimum. Um, the question is, is how long am I going to get updates from, you know, whoever is developing operating, uh, operating systems for it? And for the time being, I'm going to leave it as the default open Sesame operating system. Um, but I'll also say this. On the bright side, Rich, we're already seeing other people saying that they're going to come out with an ARM-based Linux laptop. In, you know, just to kind of close the loop on things here, the I had an MSI Wind, I think it came with one gig of RAM and you could put two gigs in, or was it two and four? I don't remember. I think it was one and two. The I was able to run a VM on that machine. So back in the day, it was powerful enough to do, do that. Now it's running Windows XP. My MSI Wind is not even good to go to the Weather Channel webpage. And it's because there's much more computing going on just to load a sticking web page. Whereas the modern Chromebook, a $200, like I got a $200 refurb Chromebook. Actually, I got a kick of video ad on that. I've, I've been sitting on that forever. $200 15-inch touchscreen backlit keyboard refurb Chromebook from Amazon, and it does everything really good as far as loading web pages and watching any video content I want. So I'm super happy with that product. So yeah, there there is a, a better economy on compute now uh, because you're, you're getting really good horsepower for very little money. Yeah, I put a link there in the chat. I'm going to make sure this link is also in the notes. I did not have time to really go through the entirety of this link. But what I will say is, um, Manjaro Linux is a um, 
arch derivative, which, you know, it isn't, okay? It's based upon arch is what it is. It's its own thing. It's Manjaro. Um, and there is a company, uh, Tuxedo Computers, who plans on putting out a ARM-based Manjaro Linux laptop that is, if I read this right, maybe I did read it wrong. I thought it said ARM, but now I'm seeing it with AMD and Ryzen models. So that's not ARM. Correct. Ah, crikey, I read it wrong. Never mind. And next to this crap, on this week's Linux for Everyone podcast, that sounds like someone's trying to trying to uh, get some of the rub is the right term. They're trying to get some of my traffic. Good luck, brother. I'll make sure to talk bad about them on my podcast. All right. Can, let's see, which way is the right way to go? Can I reference the Minilink spreadsheet? Uh, okay. All right. So line 1108, Passman. Passman allows you to host your own password credentials on your own NextCloud or own cloud instance independently and open source. I love that. I would love it too, but I haven't had time to play with it. Um, I love the idea of it is what I'm going to say. I love the idea. Let me, let me make that clear because I haven't done it yet. But, dude, I need to get off the, uh, the other crack. Well, I'll say the, the problem is, is password managers have gotten kind of mature. So you can't just be a password vault. You also have to be available on mobile platforms, on all the desktop platforms. You need all the plugins. You need it to autofill. You need it to generate passwords. You also need the ability to share passwords with other people kind of thing. Um, so to just be a password manager in, to me in 2020 isn't enough. You have to do more. And when I looked at this one available basically as a NextCloud plugin, it does seem like it's, cl- like, like it's ticking virtually every checkbox. Um, so I really want to play with this. I just haven't had time. Which I guess we, we need to talk about Link. It's now 11.08. So log me in announced yesterday, which whatever, December 18th, I guess that was. Uh, say that it will be acquired by a private equity firm for $4.3 billion in cash. Wow. That's a, that's a big dollar transaction. Yep, and then the Twit Network proudly rebranded their studio to the Twit, um, the um, um, LastPass Studios. Um, oh, so geez. I guess money likes money. Somebody owns somebody. Well, and I'm not even going to shame them for doing this. Um, you know, this is what makes the world go round. If it was not a good product, if it wasn't a solid product, if it wasn't a product that worked, and if it wasn't a product that was really secure, designed really well to where none of the credentials are actually stored in on the server in a mechanism that they can access. Okay, all of the encryption happens on your local browser kind of thing before it gets transmitted up. So all of the court orders, all of the governments that have demanded LastPass give them information, LastPass have has given them binary blobs of user account data of which there's not been a single recorded instance of anybody getting an actual password out of LastPass if you did not have the correct password to get into it. Um, it's a really good application. Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure every time it gets sold and resold to another company, it's just going to become a worse and worse product that's going to cost more and more money to just use. All right. Boy, I'm going to feel very awkward about what I'm going to talk about. If you bring a computer into Best Buy, there's a story, I think it was local in Florida, 
that somebody brought a school teacher brought their computer into Best Buy and they got busted for kitty porn. I'm absolutely not for anyone having kitty porn. Hundred percent against that. Now, did Best Buy go through all of their pictures? Was it their screensaver? Was it their desktop? Where where did they find this? I don't know the answer to that, but that kind of scares me. I'm scared on both issues. Let me just put it that way. I'm scared that Best Buy is looking through my photos. Yeah, which I wouldn't uh, bring any photos. And if I brought my computer in to be serviced, I wouldn't bring my computer in to be serviced unless I expected somebody to read every document and look at every photo. Let me just say that way. Um, they're not doing that. They don't have the time to do it, nor do they care to do it. Uh, just like Facebook, Twitter, and everyone else, the federal government of the United States of America has repositories of child porn, okay? And what they do is they take the pictures and they basically do hashes and algorithms and things against the pictures. And then they basically run scans, whether it be on social media postings or on computers coming into mega conglomerate enterprises like that. And they basically just scan the drives for files containing these similar enough hashes and algorithms and bits that look the same. And if enough flags come up, then they literally cease the operation on that device and call up the FBI to come in and look at the device. And they're the ones who actually look at the computer. Um, there was oh, a time. So that makes sense. Well, there was a time when Best Buy always just took your computer, put it on a back shelf, plugged it in, and people from other countries would remote in and run software. Oh, crap. Uh, but that's, I believe, ceased now for about two years. We're now, it's basically all automated systems that do all the work. Yeah, I remember my wife brought a computer into them, and basically they ran some Linux boot disk, and they charged like $80 to do that. Yep. Yeah, so we've been going for about an hour, Rich. I'm not going to lie. Tomorrow, again, I got four hours of training every Thursday until late May. So it's going to be over a year every Thursday with training, which is not fun. Crikey. Uh, can we finish the, let's see, line 11.15? Yep. And I, I think I had a gripe with this one. So uh, this is the 20 best Raspberry Pi OSs in, to use in 2020. And I don't believe Diet... Oh, wait. Diet Pi's on the list. What wasn't on the list? Because I know I saw a list like this, and there was something missing on it. Well, Diet Pie is number two, which I will say yeah, it should yep. be by the top. Um, yeah, it's basically Raspbian Diet Pie Libra Elect, which is like a uh, multimedia home theater uh, experience. OSMC, similar, same kind of thing. Um, Risk OS, which I never heard of, which is interesting. Uh, Windows IT Core, which uh, if you're a sadist, go ahead and run it, I guess. Um Laga, which I think is about the best game emulator interface on the market. Um, RazBSD, which I never heard of before. RetroPie, which is the classic game emulator operating system. Ubuntu Core, um, I say just run Ubuntu. Um, Lin Utop, again, never heard of that one. Don't know how good that one is. Kali Linux, sure, as long as you stay on your own network or you like going to jail. Ubuntu Mate. Uh, Open Media Vault, which I will say, Open Media Vault is, I think, the best all-around NAS slash streaming service slash uh, 
synchronization tool like all in one i don't think it does anything perfect but i think it does a lot of stuff good really good yeah i i would say open media vault probably my number one os i'm running is diet pie my number two is open media vault yeah um one of the ones that caught my eye was mini bin m-i-n-i-b-i-a-n which is just a very small micro version of Raspbian with just basically kernel components and not really much more so if you needed something super light uh definitely was good uh everyone should be aware of chromium os uh if you need like a kiosk a web browser type interface i think that's the best possible thing you can do and then they finish it with, with alpine linux which i had no idea alpine linux had an arm version um, there was something missing from this list, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, uh, Armbian. No Armbian, uh, and there was something else oh. not on this list. Yeah, because I remember we chatted about this. I'm like, hey, I didn't see this on it. Not sure. I know there, and no Fedora, right? That is right. SEJ in the chat. Very cool. Um, so, hey, Rich, if people want to uh, catch up with you, what would you say is the easiest way? So, flyingrich.com or flyingrich on YouTube. Uh, so, that that's Pretty dang easy, Flying Rich Official on the grams. And I'll just encourage everyone, uh, click, check the notes. Uh, notes are the easiest way to follow anybody who's on this show and find out all the services that we're on, whether it's Discord, Mattermost, or anything else. Uh, and I will just remind people, again, if you want a completely ad-free version of this show, it's not difficult. All you got to do is just go to uh, patreon.com slash the mini PC show. Uh, I want to thank everyone for downloading. Thank everyone for their support. Again, uh, Captain Zero Christian, thank you. I will try to give like every bi-weekly updates on how the Pinebook Pro is going, but I can tell you so far, unbelievably shocked at the build quality for the price. And the performance is clearly uh, competitive, is what I'll say, uh, with, with anything even $100 more. Um, I will talk to everyone again. Uh, do not forget, uh, support those who support you. And never forget, uh, come here if you want big talk, little machines. Take it easy, everybody. Hi, this is Matt from the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast, on the Podnuts Network. The theme for my show is Everyday Tech for Everyday People. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology-related. You can find us on iTunes, and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen and let us know what you think.